Hey everyone, just want to let you know at the top of the episode that I forgot to turn on my microphone, so all the audio you're going to hear is coming directly from my laptop. It doesn't sound the best ever, it doesn't sound the worst ever, but it is a little annoying. You will hear like background noise and me fidgeting and clicking my pen and writing stuff down, but all in all, I still think it's a great episode. So yeah, thank you for your continued support and we hope you enjoy the show. There's something about him I feel like it's me I'm looking right at him He's literally me Welcome to another episode of Literally Him, a deep dive into Ryan Gosling's filmography. I'm your co-host, Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Emilio. Welcome back to another episode, everyone, our 18th episode. And I want to start off this episode by asking Emilio, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I actually, uh, last night, went to go see a friend of mine in a play that she was in at Cal State LA. Uh, It was kind of weird being back there and sitting in that theater again because I absolutely hated that theater. Um, But uh, it it was a really good play and it honestly kind of... It was weird, like watching this movie, um, which is like visually well done, well crafted and the score and everything about this film is just so well done. And then like after that, seeing like a live play was very inspiring. I would say I'm more ins- I was more inspired by the play, but um, yeah. What was the what was the play? Was it an original production or something else? Uh, I believe it was based off of a book, but it's basically about these two brothers who worked with William Shakespeare, and they try to come up with this original um, play idea because at the time, William Shakespeare is like a rock star of the Renaissance. Like He has hit after hit after hit, and they the one of the brothers pays a, um, a fortune teller to see into the future to see what uh, William Shakespeare's biggest play is. And she reads it incorrectly. It's supposed to be Hamlet, but she thinks it's Omelette. And uh, the the brothers write a play basically about Hamlet, but it involves mm. eggs and a bunch of other shits. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Um, the That's first half was really good. The first act was really good. The second act, I was kind of like, because they have to perform the play and they make it into a musical. So it's a musical breakdown of Hamlet, but with eggs. And it was, uh, it was pretty wild to see. <laughs> that sounds incredibly original. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was actually really your, funny. Does, does your friend listen to the podcast? I don't know. She knows about it. I should ask her if she doesn't, then she's a loser. And I, Totally take back everything I said about that about that play. I hated it. Yeah, if she doesn't listen, then that sounds fucking dumb. But if she does listen, <laughs> hey, that sounds so cool. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, she was a uh, she was great in it. It uh, uh, really like took me back to when I would perform, and I was mm-hmm. like, damn, I really, I really miss performing. Yeah, that's really cool. Anyone who works in theater or puts on plays or anything like that, like I have immense respect for because. Not only are you 
doing public speaking, which is just so harrowing, but you're also, you know, doing a whole fucking performance. So that's really cool. That, that, that's, that's, that's really, um, my hat goes off to your friend for, for pursuing that. That's really awesome. Um, I also went to Cal state LA with Emilio. I remember seeing a mm-hmm. lot of, um, plays there too. Uh, we also have a really good engineering department and engineering makes me think of space. And this week we're covering our first space movie with first man released in 2018. So I wanted to ask Emilio, what are some of your favorite movies that revolve around uh, space? Ooh, um, definitely interstellar. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that movie. A lot of space movies that I've seen are like, uh, science fiction well i mean obviously science fiction but like horror movies yeah so, you know like aliens i i love um the dead space game series oh yeah yeah that just anything like anything space like cosmic space in general like cosmic horror um i i love that shit dude i ate it up um i mainly because my dad when we were younger he really tried to get us into like astronomy and space and all that. So a lot of like space stuff really reminds me of my dad. But uh on I I would put First Man up there with Interstellar 2. Interstellar is obviously more of like a science fiction based one and it's a lot more visually free to do with like whatever comes to mind as far as like all the uh different elements of the story that they're tackling. But it honestly that is one of my top space movies. What about yeah, you? I think it's super fair to um, put them to think of them both because they both have to do with space, but they also have to, a lot to do with family and trying your best to be a good father. So I definitely was thinking about Interstellar when when I was watching uh, First Man. Um, I also think of the Alien series as well. I also think of Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, um, and then I also made me think about um, Star Wars and Star Trek and and shit like that because um, I. If, if the United States didn't have such a fascination with landing on the moon or developing NASA, maybe things like Star Wars would have never happened. I mean, Star Wars comes out just a few years after the moon landing. So obviously there's some inspiration there. Um, but also uh, when we talk about the moon landing, uh, and this is something you've been texting me throughout the week, <laughs> there's a lot of people that think that the moon landing was faked. Uh, so I want to ask you, what is your opinion? Do you think we actually landed on the moon? <laughs> oh, man. It's a very controversial question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, of course I think we landed on the moon. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into it, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that shit is so funny. Like, um, That is one conspiracy that I just can't get behind. Like I see where people come from. Like the U S was so um, caught up uh, uh, in the space race and the cold war against the USSR uh, so much so that they would want to fake landing on the moon to establish their supremacy. But like, it's just, it's just too out there for me. I, I just, it's just fucking wacky. Like, how would you react if someone like a coworker or a friend genuinely was trying to convince you that the moon landing was fake? <laughs> I have a friend of mine um, who oh <laughs> he. She I, does I, theater. I don't. 
No, 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 not her. Um, <laughs> unless she doesn't listen to the podcast, then it's her, yeah. But um, <laughs> but I do have a friend of mine. He always jokes around about the moon landing. And, and he jokes around all the time, so we always take it as like him joking. But sometimes like he takes the joke really far. Like he'll even start bringing up like, oh, well, what about the wind? And then like me and like kind of don't want to out him, but me and like other people will kind of look at him and be like, what about it? You're joking, right? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm joking. And it's like, oh, okay. God damn it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they if they think the moon landing was fake or not, but they constantly joke around about it. And they also joke around about how the earth is flat. So Yeah, I don't know. That that sounds like a friend that's like kind of testing the waters of like, yeah, it's funny, right? Like yeah. <laughs> unless you don't think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy, right? Even though if what if it wasn't? <laughs> I uh, want to circle back really quick. I wanted to bring this up in the beginning because you sent me this, but um, holy shit, our boy Ryan Gosling as of today has been nominated for a Grammy for his song I'm Just Ken uh, for best song for visual media. Um, yeah, I saw that. does that make you feel, Emilio? It obviously shows how big of a hit that song really was. Yeah. And it's also kind of crazy that the studio did not want to put that in the movie. Yeah, that's really stupid. Yeah, they wanted to cut that out along with the whole dancing, which is crazy. Because, yeah, like now it's getting nominated for a Grammy. That's fucking wild. Studios um, are stupid. <laughs> it is funny, like, uh, talking so much about Ryan Gosling. Any news that pops up about him, like, random people from work or my friends, I'm sure you get the same thing, will just send you shit about Ryan Gosling. But seeing him like get this nomination, I felt like I felt like a friend accomplished something. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, like I saw it and I was like, oh shit, like that's pretty cool. Um, but I do get a lot of people saying like, oh, did you hear about this? And I kind of look at him like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's that's not my whole personality, buddy. <laughs> Even though it really yeah, is. I get- yeah, I get Ryan Gosling also on social media. I'm always po- posting about um, for Halloween, I dressed up as a Costco hot dog. So I'm always getting sent Costco stuff. Um, I've also established that I like uh, Radiohead and Diet Coke. So anytime there's a meme about any of those four things, people are always sending it to me. So yeah, it's always fun to be perceived by people, but whatever. <laughs> I'm the one putting that out there. So it's on me. <laughs> I wanted to ask you next, uh, do you have a synopsis for us? I do, actually. So, hoping to reach the moon by the end of the decade, NASA plans a series of extremely dangerous, unprecedented missions in the early 1960s. Engineer Neil Armstrong joins the space program, spending years in training and risking his life during test flights. On July 16, 1969, the nation and world watch in wonder as Armstrong and fellow astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins embark on the historic Apollo 11 space flight that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) That was all fake. That Stanley Kubrick (laughs) directed. That's another thing me and Amelia were talking about. Like, that's what always loses me when people are like, and yeah, and it was fake. And also Stanley Kubrick directed it. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Why? I think anyone could have directed that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know anyone could have done that shit. It's like if today they fake something and they're like, and uh, fucking um, Martin Scorsese directed it. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Martin Scorsese directed the uh, January 6th insurrection. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing right now. I was going to say that. <laughs> Robert De Niro was in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of one historical recent event, and I was like, January 6th. <laughs> Leonardo oh, DiCaprio was the guy in the bull buffalo suit, whatever the fuck that guy was wearing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so First Man came out in 2018. Um, it also won a lot of awards for best visual effects and best sound en- mixing or engineering or something. Um uh, and this movie really has fucking awesome visuals, really good sound to it. Uh, we watched it, this movie, I watched it with Carolina at her parents' house and she has like this badass surround system. So it sounded fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and dude, the, movie the, was the sound by, quality is insane. Yeah. It's really good. Like um, I had high expectations seeing like how many awards it won, but it fucking delivered. And it's also directed by Damien Chazelle. So Chazelle's teaming up with Ryan Gosling again after La La Land. And it's also produced by Steven Spielberg, which is fucking awesome. And I did not know until the end credits. Um, what's your history with First Man? Have you seen it before? Yeah, I actually saw it um, in 2020 when everything was like locked down and there was literally nothing to do. So for like the first three months of quarantine I guess not quarantine lockdown um I was like <laughs> I was pretty much like drinking like every other day yeah <laughs> and, me too. Like, catching up, <laughs> and catching up on like movies that I missed and this was one of them so I watched this movie for the first time pretty buzzed and it I was like enamored by it um being buzzed definitely doesn't help for a more visual movie because I'd be like, I'd, I'd kind of just be like, okay, when the fuck are we, when are they going to get on the moon? But like once they got on the moon, like it broke me. Like there's one I mean, scene. Like, <clears throat> Go ahead. They established that Neil Armstrong is a drunk. So yeah. I think you were just like uh, sympathizing with his character. And also there's a guy named Buzz Aldrin. So there's that too. I was just really getting into character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just imagine you watching me like, this is so fucking fake. Yeah. It's telling my dad like, dad, look at this shit. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the name of Neil Armstrong. I don't know why I'm like some <laughs> Southern dude. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the movie. Um, this was my first time watching it. And I remember when it came out, like seeing all the buzz around it because Damien Chazelle was just coming off of La La Land. And so was Ryan Gosling. So seeing mm. them work again was looked really good, but I just didn't fucking watch it until now. Yeah. But I am really, this is a really good movie. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's totally uh, different too. It's like, especially like a performance from Ryan Gosling. It's uh, very much like not him at all. Like it's, I, well, I mean, I guess you kind of do owe that as like an actor, you do try to best represent a real person. Um, 
as close as you can. And even, uh, um, I believe Neil Armstrong's oldest son, because he can remember more than the younger one. I believe the younger one at the time was five. Uh, but his oldest son said that Ryan Gosling did a pretty spot on, um, I don't want to say impersonation, but uh, like a, I guess like a reenactment of how his father was during that time and like all the stresses that he was going through, which is pretty, I mean, pretty telling of how much range Ryan Gosling really has. How would you feel if Ryan Gosling did a biopic about your dad? Uh, he would have to uh, commit a lot physically for that. <laughs> this um, would be his. Never mind. <laughs> uh, um, never mind. I have a lot of respect for your father. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, he would have to uh, definitely change up a lot to to do my father right physically. I was imagining him playing the bongos or something. <laughs> Maybe in his younger years, yeah. You'd also have to uh, go out every other weekend <laughs> and do a lot um, of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> Look at me, your picture-perfect son. <laughs> son, stop. Save me some, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm sorry dad but anyway this uh this movie was made by universal studios uh and also dreamworks automatically when i see universal studios i think of the fast and the furious franchise and then whenever i see dreamworks i always think of uh shrek so yeah that was very interesting to see both of those pop up. <laughs> yeah it really was i was i i thought this was like uh an indie film uh, when I first watched it and then I rewatched it, I was like, what the fuck? Universal Studios? Holy shit. Do you want to walk us through the uh, first scene? Yeah. So in the opening, uh, we basically cut to um, Neil Armstrong and he is testing a aircraft that I believe is trying to break through the atmosphere. And... Ooh. There's like very, very almost no dialogue from Ryan Gosling in the first like five, six minutes of the movie, I want to say, because um, this movie is very grounded and very focused on like a POV through Neil Armstrong. So like in these moments, especially in this first scene where he's testing this aircraft, he's very quiet and very hyper-focused. And I want to say he's like, you can see that he's constantly thinking of like what the next thing to do is because yeah. immediately as this test flight is going well, he gets caught in the atmosphere. So the aircraft begins to um, elevate up going towards space. And at this point, you can hear on the intercom that the people down on the ground are kind of freaking out. They're telling them that you have to drop, that you're going to, that you're going too high. And then just like with the stone, I mean, maybe not with a stone cold look, but like less panic than the average person. He puts two and two together and he uses his thrusters on the sides of his wings to uh, basically tilt himself to the side 
And in doing that, I guess the gravity of the earth catches the plane again. And then he begins to fly down back to earth. And then he lands somewhat safely, I believe somewhere in the desert. Yeah. It it, uh, says it's the Mojave desert. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fucking like, it's such a thrilling scene to start on. It really like visualizes how fucking scary and crazy um, avionics is at this time that everything that they're doing is like breaking new ground. And the people that are doing it are fucking risking their lives day after day. Uh, we learn in a later scene that he ends up losing like four coworkers from this one job that he had. Um, and we also establish at this point that it's 1961. Uh, so we see that Neil Armstrong played by Ryan Gosling has a wife named Janet and he has a daughter and a son. Uh, his daughter has a tumor and uh, she's undergoing radiation. We can see that Neil Armstrong is like adamant about trying to get her the best uh, uh, care and medicine, but it's all for no avail as she ends up dying in the next scene. But we see that there is a funeral for his daughter and then Neil Armstrong finds a room to sit down in by himself and he ends up crying. Um, what did you think of uh, Ryan Gosling's performance in that scene? It's really... Um grounded in this uh in in this uh reality of what like this character is going through because even in the scene prior he you can see like in his notepad that there are notes about the um i'm assuming like another uh space flight project that he's working on and right next to that is like very detailed notes about uh, what his daughter's going through and like, it, like what is the chemo doing for her and like, what is like other options? So you, you really get the sense of like this man is so into not only like his work, but how, what his daughter is going through. And he is someone that tries to take something on, on his own. And then to see later on, like that, it doesn't work out that way. Um, I would you. It gives me the sense of like that he takes it as like it's a loss of like a, of a daughter, but it's also no, also a personal loss for him. Like he that he lost this uh, this problem that he was trying to fix, and yeah, like that. And the funny thing about this, too, is that this is the only time we ever see Neil Armstrong break down like that ever again in the movie. Because he definitely has a completely different, um, I I don't want to say personality, but he definitely presents himself uh, much more differently after the loss of his daughter. Yeah, he's definitely a lot more cold after his daughter passes away. Like, this scene is so sad like it it really like was about to make me cry like he's sitting alone he's trying to hide his emotions it also establishes that he he hides his emotions a lot he's all by himself and he's clutching on to his daughter's beaded bracelet and um it's just so fucking crazy and yeah to show how much range ryan gosling has as an actor because uh i also started to laugh a little bit is I was thinking about him and Barbie, and I'm just like, how the fuck does one guy jump from that to this? <laughs> he fucking sells it <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so from this scene, we see that he goes back to work eventually, and he's permanently like grounded. And on his desk, he sees that there is a letter for NASA or a magazine about NASA and how they're hiring uh, engineers. And he's also told by a friend at his house, like, you should go up to Houston and interview for, for this NASA job. So he ends up doing it. And he gets interviewed, and at the interview, he meets up. He meets a guy named Elliot, who becomes one of his like close friends there. And uh, I really like this scene where he's being interviewed, um, and he they asked him like, "What do you think space exploration is going to be?" And he says something to the effect of like, "Space exploration will not be exploration, but it's going to be something where it gives us a new vantage point, and we're going to see things from a new perspective." Uh, what did you think of the scene where he's being interviewed? Oh, I thought it was. Um... I thought it was great. I think it really dives into the uh, the psyche of like what Neil Armstrong thinks about. I mean, what their mission is in general, and you know, like that line kind of tells it all. He's like basically saying like we're on the precipice of beginning to explore like more. Like, there's so much that we don't know about space and in doing this there's just so much more that we can learn and we're going to realize that there's so much more that we don't know um which i mean space is fucking huge it takes millions literally millions of years to explore places in space like that we don't even know about so even like it's wild to think that these 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 people specifically him are thinking of those things um, I also do like the part where one of the personnel asks him about, well, he doesn't even ask. Like he says, I'm sorry to hear about your daughter. And Neil kind of, you can tell like it kind of like triggers him. And he asks, yeah, is that he, a question? Or yeah, like, what's the I question? Love that line. Yeah. And he says, oh, well, I'm just sorry to hear about your daughter. Like, I just wanted to ask you if that's going to have an effect on you when you're up there. And he goes, I think it would it would be safe to assume that it, it wouldn't. Yeah. I think it would be reasonable to assume that it wouldn't have an effect on me. Yeah. And then we cut back to his home and he gets the call and he gets the job. And then Janet is like reassuring him. His wife is reassuring him like, this is a fresh start and this is going to be good for us. So let's just give it our all. And so they move to Houston. We establish that Janet is once again pregnant and they're welcomed into the NASA community. Like the uh, NASA engineers and scientists are set up in a, in a town in Houston where they all live as like neighbors. And as we see later on, they all become extremely close to each other. Um, they're put on a project called uh, the Gemini. They actually say Gemini weird in the movie, though. How do they pronounce it? Do you remember? I think it's Gemini. Um, I don't know. I didn't catch that, actually. I, I heard Gemini. They're saying it funny. They're saying like Gemini or something like that. And I was like, have I been saying this word wrong my whole life or what? <laughs> but I don't know. Um, and in the scene, we see like they have a, a different uh, test for NASA. But also we see Ryan Gosling in a spacesuit. And I wanted to ask you, what did you think about him in a spacesuit? That boy hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I th- it it kind of it's weird. Like he. He definitely has like this look where they do want him to appear more like uh, Neil Armstrong. Um, it definitely is kind of a, it's a different look for him for sure. He definitely doesn't look like 
you know, the typical, like, I guess the typical looks that he gets in his films. He definitely looks very different, very almost jaded, stone cold. Um, it's, it's very contradictory to like what you see him in now in his personality now in movies. Um, I, I wanted to ask you because in this scene when they're suited up, they're um, testing, they're doing, they're running through that test. I can't remember the name of that test that they do, but they basically are fighting. Uh, I think it's, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it's like a contraption that spins them. Yeah. And what they have to do is they have to like level out so that they are rotating at the same time in this contraption. So they can like, um, yeah, it's hard to explain. I feel like I'm doing such a shit job, but no, like, that's, that's, that was rot- pretty good. Like pretty close. They're rotating yeah. really fast and they're trying to line up so that they can uh, be aligned with the rotation. So if they do it on time, they won't pass out from like the G force that they're experiencing as they're ro- rotating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my question for you is, do you think you can pass that test? <laughs> Uh, you know, I get really dizzy easily. So (laughs) (laughs) as of this recording, me and God are going to go to Six Flags tomorrow. And like, I think if I get on one ride, I'm going to be dizzy like the rest of the day. So yeah, I doubt. And also like Neil at this time, he's probably like 30 and we're close to 30 and he's like doing this shit. Like no problem. I, he's like, he's fucking crazy. He's like a, true force of nature <laughs> like yeah scary yeah because even in the scene there's a i mean he passes out uh because ob- obviously it's everyone's first time and he passes out and then once they're about to bring on the next person he says no i'm gonna go again and then the next scene is him throwing up <laughs> yeah and we also established that he is um he becomes good friends with this guy named elliot but also this other guy named ed white who's played by uh, Jason Clark. Jason Clark was recently in the Oppenheimer movie and he's the guy, the FBI agent that yells at Oppenheimer. <laughs> I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Um, and uh, in this scene when he's throwing up, like uh, Neil Armstrong stands up and Ed White is looking at him and then Neil just like waves at the toilet, like, here you go. And then he yeah. just runs to it and throws up. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's cool to see how like close all these astronauts get to each other. Obviously, if you're training for something that can kill you, just the training itself can kill you. Like you're going to have to trust the people around you. But what did you think of uh, Jason Clark's performance as Ed White? I thought it was good. I think it's a good um, contradiction to what Neil Armstrong is in this movie. Because Neil, um, I'm sorry, uh, what was his name again? Um, Elliot. Was it Ed? Yeah, Elliot, yeah. Elliot, uh, yeah, Elliot seems a lot more like personable. Um, even when they're first introduced to uh, uh, Neil Armstrong's wife, and like uh, Elliot, and also like Elliot's wife, approach themselves like to the house, and like you can tell they're very open people. And um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good contrast. It also kind of shows that it's not so much like. Um, I guess for Neil Armstrong, he makes these close relationships with these people through the work because there is a scene farther down the line where uh, 
uh, Neil Armstrong's wife asks Elliot, like, uh, has uh, Neil ever, ever talked to you about, uh, I believe the daughter's name was Karen? I think so. Yeah. So they ask if if uh, if Neil Armstrong has ever talked about that with him, and he says no. So there, it kind of shows that there is this disconnect that uh, Neil keeps very close, like to his chest, and it's his family and the passing of his daughter. But at the same time, through I'm assuming their common love for space exploration, engineering, like that's where that camaraderie really comes in comes in together because you can actively see it throughout the movie like they get closer and closer like they begin to crack jokes at each other uh like quick quips here and there and it kind of it kind of does tell like how much neil's character really takes this passion for his work very very seriously or not even very seriously, but very, he, he keeps it very close to himself. Yeah. Um, and all these guys are really like, uh, I guess Neil is the most cold out of all of them, but there is like somewhat of an air to all of them where they're all so like math focused. So science focused that they can be a little cold. Um, Cause we cut to a scene where, Neil Armstrong is, I believe he's home and Ed White comes to his house and he's like really shaken up. And he tells um, Neil Armstrong, like, Hey, Elliot was testing out a uh, rocket or a plane or something and he crashed uh, and he's dead. So we cut to Elliot's funeral. And at this funeral, we see that now uh, they have a new astronaut there named Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin, who eventually uh, is the who is the second man to step on the moon. Spoiler alert! Um, and um, <laughs> we see that Buzz is like such a fucking dickhead. Yeah, uh, Buzz Aldrin is played by uh, Corey Stoll, who is in the Ant Man. He's also in a movie called This Is Where I Leave You, where I've, I've seen that movie a thousand times. Which and that movie reminds me a lot of. Um, crazy stupid love just how watchable and like heartwarming it is um and he plays buzz aldrin as if he's like this calculated asshole because in this scene he's pointing out like where they're at the funeral they're at the wake and he's just pointing out like i guess we'll never know what actually happened but i'm assuming that elliot fucked up by doing this by doing this by doing this yeah and then like everyone looks at him like could you shut the fuck up dude you're talking about our friend right now i love uh this scene too because it kind of shows um how Neil is, uh, I don't want to keep saying triggered, but he's very much like triggered by death um, and loss because he immediately says like, I wasn't on that plane. Cool. Cause even a, he even a Buzz Aldrin even says like, right, Neil, like that makes sense. Right. And he says, I don't know. Like I wasn't on that plane. I don't know what they were looking at. I don't know what the math is. I wasn't on, I wasn't on the crash site. So I don't know. So I'm not going to stand here and make assumptions and pretend I don't know. And then Buzz is like, oh, geez, oh, sorry. <laughs> and he turned it to fucking uh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> sorry, Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out one of my favorite videos ever in like pop culture is uh 
Buzz Aldrin, he's being oh. fucking accosted and hounded by this like moon landing truther. And this moon la- <laughs> this guy who's doing this fucking documentary about how the moon landing's fake, he brings a Bible to Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin at this time, he's like 60 or 70. And he's telling him like, swear on this Bible that you actually landed on the moon. You're not going to do it because you're a coward. And he gets up into Buzz Aldrin's face and Buzz Aldrin just fucking checks him in the chin like super fucking hard. Like Buzz Aldrin's maybe 70, but in this video, he gets him fucking good. And I love that video so much. <laughs> Dude, I think it's it's so funny too because a lot of uh, moon landing deniers, they they even point out in the comments, he's like, you didn't swear on it. Why, would, why doesn't he want to swear on it? And it's like, Dude. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's so stupid. If that if he did that, that means it's true. <laughs> like, it's he can still lie, you fucking idiots. <laughs> but uh yeah, so like after this confrontation with um Buzz, there is a scene where uh Neil Armstrong's wife is trying to talk to Neil and Neil pretty much uh rushes out of the room. And he drives home and then uh, his wife has to get a ride with uh, Elliot and Elliot's wife. And oh, it's actually uh, Ed's wife. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Ed's wife. And Oh, wait. Yeah, his name's Ed. Um, so <laughs> so uh, the, she gets a ride with them. And that's when she brings up if she had ever heard, uh, if Neil ever talks about their daughter and he says <clears throat> no. So at this point, we catch Neil Armstrong outside, and he's—I believe—he's just staring at the moon, or he's staring out into the into the stars. And Ed is telling him, uh, "Hey, like you should be inside with your wife and your kids. You should tuck in your kids." And Neil is completely ignoring him, and he tells him, uh, "Like, hey, are you listening to me?" And Neil puts down the binoculars, and he looks at him. He's like, "If I'm outside right here in my backyard, what makes you think I want to talk to somebody?" And Ed is very taken aback by this. He's like, I'm sorry. And he just literally just repeats the same words. He's like, if I'm in my backyard here right now, like by myself, what makes you think I want to talk to anybody? And then he Ed just like walks away. Yeah. I would be like, if I saw you distraught and I came up to you and I was like, Hey man, what's up? You all right? And you just told me to fuck off. I would probably, I'd just do the same. I'd just walk away. I'd probably cry too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you do? We're like, all right, fuck wants to be by himself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so crazy. Like, uh, Neil Armstrong. And I don't know how accurate his portrayal is, but as you pointed out, his son, his own son pointed out that Ryan Gosling was acting as his dad pretty well. It just, sucks to see that a person is reverting into themselves so much like but how do you deal with a trauma like that you know you have to keep working you have to keep doing something that's like killing the people around you and you can't even properly like um you can't properly work through your own emotions when your own daughter passed away like what a crazy fucked up uh, situation to be in yeah but um we see we cut to uh neil testing out a uh a rocket i believe it's the gemini 8 and in this scene we see that um the rockets are very like cramped um neil armstrong gets into a rocket with another uh, astronaut and they're very cramped um the seat belts don't work properly it's all made out of metal and it's fucking scary to be in what did you think of the scene where they show like the gadgets and what it's like to be inside the rocket <laughs> 
Dude, that seems so claustrophobic. I, I'm not a claustrophobic person per se, but if I were in some type of like vessel like that, I would definitely kind of start like, especially cause you can hear, I did see some flack that this movie was getting based on how they made the spacecrafts sound, how they made them look. But I mean, you have to keep in mind like the, yeah, like these are crazy engineers and these people are super fucking smart, but this is like the things that they are trying to do well surpass the technologies that we have here. So that's like, it's insane to think that some things aren't going to sound like clunky and things aren't going to look old. Um, Cause yeah, like even through a lot of the scenes where they're, shooting off into rockets or they're like in the first scene with that uh, aircraft where it's trying to just break through the atmosphere. You can hear everything creaking and everything's moving. That just sounds so stress inducing. (laughs) Yeah. I think that uh, the visual effects and the sound is so fucking good in this scene because you, in, in the point of view that you have in this scene, it's just on Ryan Gosling's face and the other guy's face. And then you see out the window of the rocket too. Um, and you never see like an outside shot of the rocket. You're just inside this claustrophobic space. So you get the sense and the feeling of what it would be like to go up in one of these rockets. And um, it's just so fucking jarring and it's so crazy. Um, one thing I do want to point out and something I think about constantly is when we were talking about Gangster Squad, there is one scene in the movie where they pull into Ryan Gosling's face and it's like shaking his face is shaking with the camera. Oh yeah. And you pointed out like, uh, yeah, they put, they put a, a whole shot on Ryan Gosling's big ass head and they do the <laughs> same thing in this movie. And it made me think about you saying that it just made me laugh a lot. <laughs> big old dome. <laughs> it's got a big old <laughs> noggin. <laughs> is there any other scene you want to point out? The, uh, Agena, the Agena scene. Yeah. So um, in this scene, I it is Neil and another one of his colleagues. They're basically practicing docking onto the Agena because the moon mission, they do have to dock to another what? Uh, I brought this <laughs> because up I said Ottawa. dock. Yeah, dock and docking. <laughs> <laughs> they have to dock with each other to make it to space. <laughs> this is just a side mission. Like they don't have to do it. <laughs> Neil, what are you doing? Docking. <laughs> Stand still. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, so they have to practice docking uh with the spacecraft. Um and they successfully dock. <laughs> <God damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they successfully dock. And there is uh, a few moments pass by and they're just going through the motions and then Neil is looking at um, this instrument that I believe shows what level they're at um, in terms of like I guess like the axes of the of, of the spacecraft and he yeah. sees it continue start to s- slowly spin and then it begins to spin out and Neil and this other person are caught in a spin out and 
if you're not familiar with space, there is no gravity. So once you pick up momentum, especially when you spin, you just continue to spin faster and faster and faster until you reach a certain speed where it's just continuous. Um, so at this point, Neil decides to undock with the spacecraft or the space uh, <laughs> with the space uh, with the other spacecraft. And he realizes that the Agena, which is what the uh, other spacecraft is called, is not the one that was spinning out. They were the ones that were beginning to spin out. During this spin out, uh, Janet, who is uh, Neil Armstrong's wife, is listening to the radio intercom and they cut it off because at this point, this is something very serious that, I mean, they can both ultimately die from. Um so they continue to spin out, and through the spinning out, they encounter G-Force. The other person passes out, so Neil has to figure out how to stop spinning out on his own, which he actually miraculously does, because this guy is a fucking force of nature. Yeah, this this scene was so, like, <laughs> nausea-inducing, because, like... They show the spinning. You're in the like the, the like uh, the spacecraft spinning, and they also focus on Ryan Gosling's face, and he is like sweaty. He's trying to keep his composure. He's you can see in his face like the the force from the spinning is like affecting him so much more like greatly as they keep spinning, um, and it's just so anxiety inducing. Like also uh, to keep um, cool in this situation just must be like so fucking harrowing. Yeah, also the sound, um, the sound editing too. Like you can hear the clunking and and just the 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 force of like of the, the G force, like how it's affecting the the small space shuttle and they're in. And I love this um, this thing that they do. They cut to, they go from inside the spacecraft and then they go off to the side of it. So you can kind of see the outside of the spacecraft spinning out and you can get, get like glimpses of Earth. But it's making this this super crazy noise um, while it's spinning. And I I just thought that noise was so jarring. Yeah. Like it must be fucking like insane to start hearing that. I think I would start freaking out. Like I think I would, I would just start going insane immediately. Yeah, it is... Um it is really cool. I always think about how in uh, space movies that they always have to come up with sounds that sound like ships, you know, like um, they do such a fantastic job in this movie. It really like paints a picture and the sound really elevates the scene a lot. Like you feel how much danger they're in. You feel like how fucking imminent it is that they're going to die if they don't fucking figure this shit out fast. Um so we cut back to home. They make it back to Earth. And uh, Neil is kind of being scrutinized for the mission going awry. And um, eventually, Ed invites him out for like a beer. They have a one-on-one talk. And I want to cut to, um, let's see, I want to cut to the Apollo mission. So the first Apollo is getting ready to be uh, tested out. Um, Neil is selected to go to Washington, D.C., and to help uh, continue raising money for NASA. Um, I think one thing that this movie does really good, I like that they delve into this, is um, the state of the world in the 60s 
and how people criticize the U.S. for funding so many projects in NASA just to beat the Soviets to space, to the moon. And how at the time, like uh, there are people that are you know starving, much like in our time now, but instead the government's using the money to go to space. So I really like that the movie points that out. But um, do you want to walk us through the scene where Ed White and a number of other astronauts are practicing for the first uh, Apollo launch? Yeah, so they are pretty much all suited up. They're in the space shuttle. And while this is happening, Neil is at a congressional uh, dinner, moosing up to Congress people. And there begins to... Uh, what happens is there's a small electrical fire with some of the wiring in the Apollo spacecraft. They begin to call out to the, um, to what's the word? Um, control to the center, control yeah. center. So they begin to call out to the control center that they have a small fire. And we're having because... trouble docking with one another. <laughs> oh, this docking's burning. That's not normal. <laughs> Uh, so the small fire breaks out and these space shuttles are filled with oxygen because they need to breathe when they're outside the atmosphere, when they're in space. And because of all the oxygen in the spacecraft, the fire rapidly spreads and it's pretty much like a small bomb. And because everything is so airtight on the shuttle, there's no way for any oxygen or fire to escape. So it basically blows up Ed and two other astronauts in the Apollo spacecraft. After this, Neil gets a call from uh, someone from NASA and he tells them that he wants to pull them out because they already know that the press is going to be all over this and they don't want Neil to get hounded by the press. And also they want him to get hounded by Congress people about three astronauts that are dead. And he, again, like Neil has like this stone cold look on his face, listening to this guy tell him that three of his close friends have died. And he just says, yes, sir. And he hangs up the phone and like he immediately just goes back. Yeah, it's so fucking sad to see Neil go through this. Like, it's just a testament to like how devoted he was to achieving this goal of landing on the moon. I think after I would see one of my friends die from something, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm never fuck this. Like I'm done. <laughs> and he encounters it like just time and time again. It is fucking crazy. Like he is truly someone who is driven. Um, so yeah, from this scene, um, I do want to point out that we have a montage of NASA building the next Apollo rocket in 1968. We cut to 1968 and uh, again, we're seeing how the public is reacting to the funding of NASA. And there is a reading of a poem called uh, Whitey's on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And it really like stuck with me. Like uh, this guy's reciting a poem of something to the effect of like, um, there are people that can't afford to pay their medical bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Um, black people across America are being arrested for, for, for this, that, whatever. But, and yet Whitey's on the moon. And I was like, yeah, that's good. You should put a fucking yeah. beat under that shit. Like, that shit <laughs> it really stuck in my head. Yeah, um, it um, it is pretty crazy to think about. Like, I mean, well, I mean, you can associate it now with uh, current events going on where we're 
funneling billions of dollars to something that not a lot of people are in agreement towards. And I mean, it's the same thing in that moment. There's millions, if not billions of dollars being put into just putting someone on the moon. Like that does sound genuinely insane. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they pointed that out. Cause I think so many movies really romanticize uh, NASA and getting to the moon, but it, it cost a lot. It cost a lot for a lot of people. So, and even the people involved like Neil Armstrong encountered so many deaths. There were so many families that grew up without fathers because they were fucking trying to put some guy on the moon just so that we can say we're superior to the USSR. It's fucking bananas. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Cause uh, like the moon doesn't even exist. <laughs> You just jumped up a notch. <laughs> now, at first, it was we didn't land on the moon. Now, the moon doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't land on something that doesn't exist. So, <laughs> it's pretty basic science. <laughs> Come on, Joseph, aren't you? Aren't you a history teacher? You should know that the moon doesn't exist. <laughs> oh man! Uh, I also like that um, throughout the movie we see scenes of like the USSR beating. Uh, the U.S. to space to achieve certain achievements, like like the first um, person in space was Yuri Gagarin, who is a, a Soviet cosmonaut who um, uh, because he like he has a very similar story to Neil Armstrong. Like he encountered so much death in his life working for this uh, Soviet space program that he became like an alcoholic and died of like alcohol of uh, uh, he died an alcoholic because he just saw so many people fucking die. Um, it's just crazy. Like people really fucking devoted their whole life to this shit. It's fucking bonkers, dude. It's yeah. really crazy. Anyway, it makes for a good movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut to 1969 and Neil is selected to be on the Apollo 11 with Buzz Aldrin. And uh, he's about to leave to go uh, complete this mission of landing on the moon. And uh, he has a conversation with his wife, Janet. Janet points out like, hey, you didn't say bye to our kids. Like, you need to explain to them what, what they're going through. And Neil is just trying to run away from his problems. And I like that in this scene, this PG-13 movie, every PG-13 movie is allotted, allotted one time to say the word fuck and not in the context of sex. It just has to be an exclamation. And in this scene, Janet says to him, like, you're going to come back, right? Or something like that. And he says some type of percentage, like there's a something, something chance that we'll come back. And she yells out, I don't want a fucking number. Yeah. Um, she does such a fucking fantastic job. Um, the name of the actor that Claire plays Janet Foy. is Claire Foy. She does such a, an amazing job. What'd you think yeah. of this scene? I thought it was so great. I mean, you have, I mean, if you think about it, like you have this other person too that is losing people that they love uh, left and right. Like, uh, like you said earlier, that they, they all live in a community with each other, so they all grow with each other, and and they're all neighbors. And she even points out that like Ed's kids are going to grow up fatherless, and this is affecting uh, Janet to a point where she wants to confront Neil because Neil is so much not confronting it. He's just suppressing it and suppressing it and suppressing it. It's pretty insane that you are going to go on this mission where you can potentially die 
And in yeah, because of the fact that you can't process those emotions that well, you ultimately decide to not tell your kids anything. Like you just kind of hope to leave. And if you die, then like you don't owe your kids anything in the sense of like an explanation. Um, but I think this scene really shows how much Janet Armstrong was struggling to. I mean, this, I mean, Neil is going off on these missions and, and constantly, constantly working and people are dying left and right. And you have this woman trying to, uh, still create the sense of home and still trying to be a mother when at the same time, like she can lose her husband. And I think it's so fucking crazy how stuck Neil is in this mindset because when he finally sits down with his boys and he tells them that he's going to go to the moon and they're just asking, I mean, the youngest one is just asking, you know, questions. Uh, but the oldest one says, is there a chance you might not come back? And he's just like, yeah, there's a chance I might not come back. And then there's a pause and he goes, any more questions? <laughs> and then he yeah, gets up and he walks like, away. Yeah, he's talking to them like they're press. Like he's being so fucking professional to his own kids. And then what else is fucked up is that like um, his uh, younger son hugs him. You know, and then his older son, who must have his older son must be like eight or seven. Um, mm-hmm. He understands that his dad is not an affectionate person, that he's cold and calculated. So he stands up and he shakes his hand instead yeah. of hugging him. It's it's so fucking crazy. Yeah, that was fucking wild. Um, and he kind of has like this look too of like like Neil's like, oh shit, okay, buddy. <laughs> put her there, pal. Put, um, put her there, pal. I might die tomorrow, but. <laughs> whatever um and then yeah so we cut to the mission the visuals of the rocket taking off and then detaching all its like parts is like very cool it's very stunning to look at um space itself when it's depicted in the movie it looks so fucking good um do you want to walk us through the scene where they finally reach uh the orbit of the moon and they have to land on the moon yeah so at this point it is Neil and Buzz Aldrin, they get into the smaller spacecraft that is going to land on the moon. And um, I honestly didn't remember this from the first time that I watched it. But throughout this uh, process, or I mean throughout this scene, and I I guess also the process because this this actually happened, um, there is alarms going off and Buzz is consistently telling Neil like, Oh, like keep this in mind. Like we're running out of fuel. Oh, like we're dropping meters. Oh, like this area is too bumpy. Um, there's too much. There's too many boulders. Uh, we might not have a safe landing. And the whole You're time, too rough. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> You're docking too fast. <laughs> You're docking too fast. You're gonna make me come. Um, <laughs> Uh, i'm coming i'm coming houston we have a problem (laughs) houston we have a load (laughs) 
Houston, we have docked. <laughs> they all cheer in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> they all start docking with each other. <laughs> but uh, there, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this, um, there's this look of just pure uh, fucking um, uh, intent to land this fucking ship um, because despite all these things that Buzz Aldrin's explained to Neil, he is like, he already knows where he's landing, but you can tell like he's just trying to make it to this one spot. And when on, on my second rewatch, I kind of realized like, damn, like this guy really kind of, he could have like killed him and Buzz Aldrin, but he was just so adamant about, landing on the moon like he it's just like this weird um instinct that he had like he's like i know where i'm gonna land like i know where i have to go i know i have enough fuel and he fucking docks with the moon (laughs) (laughs) i just imagine like an old time an old timey like press like (laughs) like fucking uh you know, like when they showed movies like back then, how journalists would like run to phones to fucking tell people the news so they can print in a newspaper <laughs> or like in uh, the fucking radio. And they're like, yeah. there's a news bulletin. <laughs> like The first man is docked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> the white man has docked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Not the right time period at all, but that's what I imagine. <laughs> Buzz um, and Neil Armstrong have docked. On the moon. <laughs> we did it. We beat, we beat the Soviets. <laughs> um, the Soviets couldn't so, dock, yeah. but now we can. <laughs> <laughs> We're just destroying the scene that's like so <laughs> yeah. really The scene is so good. Please don't... Uh, Please don't listen to any, any, don't regard any of what we're talking about. This is a really good scene. (laughs) So yeah, from this scene, we see that it's just crazy because when I imagine the moon landing, like, I guess you just picture like, like just them landing on the fucking moon. Like what's the big problem, but it's fucking hard. Like it's really hard to do. And so they land on the moon. One thing that, that I didn't realize was that when they filmed the moon landing that the camera was attached to their vehicle. And I never put that together. I imagined two astronauts like setting up a camera, <laughs> but that makes more sense. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> Neil delivers his famous line. Um, he walks on the moon for the first time. And we see that uh, he's standing by a like crater. And at this crater, he is holding his deceased daughter's bracelet. And that reveal of him holding his daughter's bracelet on the moon, fucking like it, it got a tear out of me. Like that was so fucking sad that yeah. he was so like driven to do this, that he wanted to do this. But the whole time, the force that was behind him was his daughter. And so he drops the bracelet into this crater and he's like, you can see that he's crying through his visor. Um, what did you think of that scene? This, uh, this scene made me cry. Um, just uh like because even um like literally seconds prior to this he like neil's kind of just standing there and he's looking around and he's taking like this all in and then <laughs> i like how they cut to balls aldrin and he's just like bouncing around <laughs> like a 
like a little fucking child. Yeah, no, he's just having a good time in the background. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, holy shit. <laughs> just jumping around <laughs> on the moon. <laughs> and uh, like Neil is just soaking in this moment. And then he pulls out that bracelet. And um, I, I do want to point out there's a, cause I do listen to the score every now and then there's a, uh, there's an instrument that they use in the score called a theremin, which is an air instrument, I believe. And it's very hard to use, but there, there's a, a song called crater, which right after he drops the bracelet in, you can hear like that theremin begin to come in and it cuts to scenes of like him and his daughter. And that just like broke me. I started crying. It was just so, so, so emotionally, I I want to say like so emotionally fulfilling. Yeah. Because that was like, I mean, that was pretty much like Neil coming to terms with the death of his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that part so much. It's such a good payoff for the whole movie. Uh, we see like a person that has just been so emotionally devastated finally get some type of uh, release for his anger and his, his depression and everything. So yeah, what a fucking fantastic way to just wrap everything up. So we also cut to Neil and Buzz arriving back home. They're put into a quarantine out of safety just because, uh, you know, we didn't know if like they would come back with some type of disease from the moon. And uh, we see that they're after talking. Yeah. (laughs) Come back with some STD. (laughs) You have a moon UTI. <laughs> you have a mute. And it's viral. <laughs> and, um, and so there, you see like um, actual footage of people around the world, like stopping in everyday life to watch the moon landing. Um, and then we also see that Janet comes to visit uh, Neil in quarantine and they embrace through like a plexiglass and then the movie just ends. Well, with that, let's go ahead and go to our rating. So, Emilio, give me a final summary of your feelings about the movie and then give it a score from one to five. I absolutely love this movie. The cinematography is great. The the sound editing, the production, the score, uh, the performances, everything really works so well together in this movie. Um, it definitely, I mean, I love like space and stuff like that. So watching this like through a, through a POV, like through Neil Armstrong and getting that sense of like that claustrophobia and this sense of anxiety, you know, dread, like all these things that we kind of forget are involved in like big, big ventures like this is really like refreshing to see. Um, I would give it a five out of five and I would definitely recommend anyone to watch it, even if they're not a Ryan Gosling fan, just to watch this movie. Yeah, I really like the movie too. I think that a common critique that I saw throughout from this movie was that it doesn't delve enough into the Cold War or to the Soviet Union or this or that, whatever. But I think the angle that they're trying to go for was just the POV of Neil Armstrong. 
Um, and I think they really succeeded with that. Neil Armstrong kind of had a tunnel vision and he just fucking cared about getting to the moon and that was it. And he fucking gave up a lot of his life to do that. So I think it really captures a moment in his life. Um, and I think it's a, a stunning performance from Ryan Gosling. I think that he is definitely fucking firing on all cylinders and uh, he fucking delivers. I like it a lot. So I would give it a five out of five as well. Um, so in the pantheon of Ryan Gosling films, all the way from S down to F, where are you going to place this one? I think that this is definitely one of the better, if not like one of the top performances that Ryan Gosling's done in his film career. I mean, he's not trying to be himself. He's not trying to be charismatic. He's not, that's because that's not what the character calls for. This character calls for uh, Neil Armstrong. And I mean, if you have his own son telling you like that you're pretty much there, I mean, that's just, a testament to the type of range that he has. So it's definitely an S tier, even though the moon doesn't exist and this was all staged. I'll give it, I'll give it an S plus. I'll give it an S plus rating because none of this is real. (laughs) It's a fantastic work of fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree. It's really good. Um, It's a, it's a movie that um, I don't know. Sometimes biopics can be so fucking dumb. And sometimes I don't like watching them. The only biopics that I really like are like, um, or uh, walk the line. I like the movie Ray. Um, and there's a few others that I like a lot, but this one is another one. I feel that if any other director or any other actor tried to do this, a story about Neil Armstrong, it could have come off cheesy or something like that. But I think, Ryan Gosling really delivers like you said like he needed to give a performance where he's cold and calculated and not this like guy who like is lovable or whatever and he he fucking delivers he does a great job so yeah I think this is an S performance an S movie Um, okay so last thing are we literally him do you literally see yourself as Neil Armstrong you know I do um I can and do tend to uh, suppress my emotions, my fears, anxieties. Um, I also do can come off kind of cold when it comes to like family passing. Um, But that's just probably because I'm trying to... um, I guess figure it figure it out and process like in my own head rather than I guess talking to other people about it. If I'm passionate about something, I do tend to have that same type type of drive that Neil Armstrong has in this movie, specifically to get on the moon, and especially with a force like trying to do this for the passing of a loved one. I'm sure I would try just as hard to achieve um that goal um i am not that cold though and i'm not that standoffish so i'd say like i'd say about like 60 70 percent him it's a good 
good serving. Um, I have just realized that I'm not recording on my fucking microphone. I'm recording on my laptop. So I just started sweating a lot right now. <laughs> so, oh, wait. I, oh, this, shit. <laughs> I think this I- might sound like audio garbage to all you guys. So, well, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, are so you on your mic now? I'm, I can't change it right now. I'm trying to find the option, but it, I don't think I can. So, yeah. Whatever. Oh, wow. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, you're 60% him. Okay. Um, <laughs> fuck. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would be this driven to ever accomplish anything. Like I said, if someone died doing something that I love a lot, I don't know how much I would want to keep doing it, especially if it was someone that I would consider a friend. I would just be like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I don't know. Like, honestly, I see 0% of myself and Neil Armstrong. He's just such a cold, driven, determined ass person. So I don't see myself in him. That's okay. Cause they never made it on the moon anyway. <laughs> never happened. <laughs> and, uh, who knows if this episode is going to be released? Holy shit. <laughs> no, I'll just playing. We'll put it out. Um, that's the end of our episode, everyone. Um, you should go ahead and give us a rating. Emilio, what should they rate us? You know, we are talking about fictional things that don't exist. So if you want to leave us a rating about that, leave us a review about that, actually. That would be, I would love to get into discussions about that. And about how wrong you guys are. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious to know if uh, our listeners out there think the moon is fake or if the moon landing's fake. Um, but if you like you our think- review. <laughs> what? I've never heard anyone say that they think the moon is fake. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that? Some never. people don't think the moon is real. People will be like, why is it so big now? And why is it so tiny at this time? <laughs> yeah, seriously. You're like, oh, it has to be oh fake. Oh, my God. Um, like we're fucking in the Truman Show or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, leave us a review about our review about a movie about a moon landing that never happened. There you go. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm like so shocked. I'm hoping to God my microphone was recording. I'm like so bad right now, but whatever. (laughs) Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.